Was it Tom Hardy's twin who wrote all the books? Answer me this, answer me this Was no one else prepared to hire Rebecca Brooks? Answer me this, answer me this Helen and Ollie, answer me this Life is all for the hacking, or so the internet would have you believe, and Toby from Huddersfield has some life hacks of his own. He says, I'd like to save money when throwing dinner parties. So Helen, answer me this. Is it okay to serve cheap box wine in the bottle of an expensive wine? (laughs) Toby, you legend. Um, And what about serving instant coffee in a cafetiere? (laughs) Next level. So it looks like fresh coffee. But smells and tastes completely different. And I know that and I don't even drink coffee. I think... Box wine does have an image problem. Uh, you're, yeah. you're, you're absolutely barking mad about instant coffee in the cafetiere. I mean, I've made yeah. my feelings known before about uh, instant coffee and they remain unchanged. It is the devil's work. It, it is a different drink and you can't fool anyone with that. But wine, there have been tests for years and years saying, actually, in a blind test, even experts have trouble really discerning. You know, it's 50-50 as it would be in a totally random sample. Well, and also the use case scenario is different. The box of wine is there so that you ration it out over time. Yes. So if you're going to drink from a box over the course of a month, say it's only you having the cheeky glass now and then rather than your partner or whatever, mm-hmm. perfectly decent way to do it. Very sensible. But it's just, it's redolent, isn't it, of student parties where it's all about quantity rather than quality. A cunning way to do it, Toby, would be to serve quite nice wine at the beginning, and then the second bottle you open is the crap. I do that at my parties. This makes sense. And I'll tell you the other thing I do is, you know, when people come with a bottle, Mm -hmm. I say, oh, thanks very much. I'll just put it in the fridge for cooling. Actually go and put it in the garage, save it for myself. Cheeky. Because Mm. they're not going to know. They've thought, well, let's not buy a Blossom Hill. You know, he's providing the food. Let's spend eight quid. Yeah. And then I keep that one. I give them the Blossom Hill. I think you could play this as a strength, Toby, because to be honest, it's more fun going to a dinner party where the company is good and and you're in a good mood than a dinner party where you're desperately trying to make things something other than what they are and people can sense that you're uncomfortable with what you're able to provide. Yeah, well, that's the humour, isn't mm. it, of much British sitcoms. That's every episode of False Tales, pretty much. Exactly, yes, yeah. yeah. And the, the, exactly, Basil and Sybil would have been better off making some spaghetti bolognese. Absolutely. Yeah. I think people would have more fun yeah. dinner parties. It's not quite as tinkling glass and best china as it was. No, I think people prefer an informal gathering, don't they? But yeah. in this Instagram world, it's it's an informal gathering that nonetheless can be snapped so you look like you're having a better life than you are. Just make your Finder's crispy pancakes look beautiful on Instagram. Cool. I took a chocolate orange to a friend's mm. and the reaction from the host was extraordinary just excited to see one again thrilled yeah absolutely thrilled and that's what a quid yes that's it isn't it it's just thinking outside of the box of, of wine, wine. <laughs> <laughs> so just don't worry too much toby and you can always get people to bring wine or a course and just serve their wine but if you can't afford good coffee i mean serve soil if you must rather <laughs> yeah. than that stuff <laughs> gravy brownie seriously nescafe is yeah. not the same here's another question of food from colby in chicago who says this summer marked the opening of the first branch of Nando's Peri Peri Chicken in Chicago. Isn't it sweet how they call it oh. Nando's Peri Peri Chicken? Because they have to specify what it is, having not built up a brand over decades. Well, by sweet, you really mean practical. Making it the second city after Washington, D.C., where you can get Nando's well, in the U.S. Th- th- they have 20 outlets around Washington, D.C. and Baltimore. Oh. Oh. Is Baltimore a city? I think yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a separate city. Yeah, so, yeah, so it's probably the third city, but uh, you're right to say uh, area not near Washington, D.C. Yes, it's okay, fair enough. the second area enough. not near Washington to get Nando's. Right. Colby says, 
I worked there for one week. Oh, congratulations, Colby. I was effectively brought on to handle the excited Chicagoans' hot and heavy first dalliance with the chicken, then kicked out on my ass on the second week when business had slowed. Ooh. I hadn't even sampled the macho peas. Oh, they're, they're good. good. They're yeah. good. Yeah, I like the macho peas. That's just peas with a bit of spice sprinkled on them. Well, it's all just basic ingredients with spice sprinkled on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally the business model. Colby continues... On an online job posting board, I noticed that Nando's is hiring again, I believe, for their second location in Chicago. I applied. Why? After such an amazing experience the first time round. To try the macho peas! (laughs) Ollie, answer me this. If I get the interview, should I pretend to be a Nando's novice? That's interesting, actually, because I think had your experience been longer than a week, let's say you'd worked at uh, Nando's Branch 1 for... A month even mm. um, then I think that's relevant experience you'd want to tell the employer about they may even have a policy whereby you know because no, no, no employer likes to make people redundant they, they may even have a policy whereby they'd favour you if they'd previously dismissed you for reasons that weren't your fault however a week's experience it, it could be that they chose you because actually you weren't working out and maybe you should just use it to your competitive advantage. I mean, whatever you had in your CV got you the job last time. So use the same CV again, but then just be better at the job because in the training, you'll already know all the answers. It's not Colby's fault that business had slowed, or is it? Well, I can't say. I can't say. I don't know what Colby was doing. If he was eating all the sides and not giving them to customers just so that he could sample them. Haven't even tried the macho peas. (laughs) Then that probably wasn't working out. Could you not spin the first job experience as being brought in short term to help supervise the opening of that Nando's? Hmm. Um. Well, the problem is, obviously, chances are it's the same regional manager of both stores. It's Mm. better to keep your head down, I would say. Right. Than, than raise the issue that they previously employed and dismiss you. But then if you apply and they interview you and they're like, you look familiar for when I last employed you, but you didn't mention that on your resume. Yeah. What then? That's okay. Okay. Because then you say, oh, I didn't think to mention it because it was only a week's experience. But as you can see by the fact I'm a return applicant, I love the experience of working for this company so very much. I'm very close to the brand values. I just I'm, really I'm, want to try the match OPs. I'm very keen <laughs> on becoming a Nandoka because that's what the employees call each other. Do they, though? Is that like a numerical quiz? Of course, they probably don't actually, but apparently <laughs> Nandoka is the term for a plural of Nando's employees. Nandoka. Yeah. Well, what's a singular Nando's employee? I don't know. A Nandoer. <laughs> Fact about Nando's. Yes, please. Um, they are, as an organisation, the largest collector of South African contemporary art in the world. Good Lord. Why what? didn't Zach Zaltzman get on that gravy train? Because, or should I say peri-peri train? Because he doesn't just make sculptures of multicoloured chickens. <laughs> He needs to up his game. Well, Elliot in North Warwickshire has another question of cuisine. Sort of. Uh, He says, I was at a restaurant the other day and my glass of Diet Pepsi, worst of all possible colas in my view. (laughs) Seriously, I'd rank them Pepsi Max number one. So I'm not anti-Pepsi. Right. Then then Coke. Then boxed wine. (laughs) Then Diet Coke. Then Coke Zero. Then Diet Pepsi. I've, I've nodded off at this point. Anyway, Diet Pepsi, poor choice. My glass of Diet Pepsi arrived at the table with a straight straw. God, I hope you took a picture of this phenomenon. (laughs) Uh, Which made it a little awkward to drink. How you've suffered. What a nightmare. It made me aware, says Elliot, about the beauty in the world. (laughs) Uh, I saw this bag dancing. (laughs) Uh, It made me aware just how ubiquitous bendy straws are. Yeah. And it also took me back to a time in my childhood... Before I'd encountered them. It's like an episode of The Wonder Years, this, isn't it? (laughs) So, Helen, answer me this. What is the story of the invention 
of the bendy straw. Well, Elliot, sit down on a cushion on the floor and uh, I'll begin. Yes. Once upon a time in the 1930s, in a soda shop in San Francisco, the owner of the soda shop's brother, who was called Joseph B. Friedman, was watching his little daughter Judith try... Struggling, hopelessly, with a fixed straw. Struggling to drink a milkshake... Nearly drowned, she did. ...with a straight straw. Uh And he thought, there's got to be a better way! (laughs) Please, God... Please strike me with inspiration. And he was an inventor of usually writing implements, uh, things like pens. And so he went home and experimented with the straws, which were made of paper then, uh, by putting a screw into the straw and then wrapping dental floss around it Mm. so that um, it made grooves along the screws lines. Nice. And that became the bendiness. I mean, it's all sounding obvious now, but no one had done it before. Exactly. They hadn't. And uh, so he got the patent in 1937. And oh, he must have been so excited. He must have known when he went to the patent this, office. This one. This, this one's, one's a go. You know, I thought that the uh, the red pen that looks black was going to be my, my win. I thought the bendy pen was really <laughs> on something. But this, this is the win. In 1939, he founded the Flex Straw Company. Not the best time to uh, start any no. kind of entrepreneurial venture that wasn't bombs. So he first sold them to hospitals because a lot of patients couldn't sit upright to drink their drinks. Bit of a downer though, isn't it? You yeah, know, but it's great something for kids to enjoy milkshakes with. You're changing lives. Think, oh, I've got to wait for the 50s for this to take off now. Changing lives. Yeah. So that's the story so there you go. of the bendy straw. Nice. Hope you enjoyed it. I, di- I actually did enjoy it, Good. Alan. I can't speak for everyone listening. I tried um, my best. I'm I th- not a natural storyteller. No, no, no. I thought it was enjoyable. Four stars. I felt a bit patronising. Do you want a bonus straw fact? Uh, absolutely. You know those uh, crazy straws, which are the ones that are really really wiggly i had three those were originally a mistake by a glass blower wow <laughs> that is a good fact the tube went wrong yeah and then so right you see now unlike bendy straw man man who's accidentally invented the crazy straw mm. i bet it took him years to even have the balls to go to the patent office and it's, yeah. it's almost embarrassing isn't it it's mm. difficult like, to mass, mass produce those you know this uh, this feels like a frippery you know i'm a glass yeah. blower i've got serious work to do but i just can't I, you know i've got this on my conscience it's, i've been looking at it for 10 years i i can't escape the fact that one day this is going to make me i just have to i have to patent this and I'm the sorry. patent clock must be like what's this mate look like it dropped it yeah Last bloke that came in here invented a straw that helped war invalids. What have you done? They said it couldn't be done, but I've invented a straw that is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a question. Email your question to answer me this podcast at googlemail.com 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 Here's a question from a man who is choosing to remain anonymous who says I recently came out to my friends as gay. All of my friends were very supportive and happy for me to have finally come out. Truth be told though, it was one of the worst kept secrets in human history. I'd never hidden my love for Eurovision or musicals. That's no proof, because Ollie Mann here is not gay. Can I just say for the record that I like tits and Eurovision? Eurovision <laughs> is a great place for spotting tits. But I guess that uh, stereotypes are there to be smashed. Not by this guy. Um, I never made any overt attempts, he says here, to appear purely heterosexual. Don't even know what that means, really. You know how some people who are not out as being gay uh, overcompensate. Overcompensation, I can understand. If you're taking the word, though, overtly heterosexual, that would actually mean, like, constantly 
banging women. women. Yeah. yeah, but some people do do that, or some people are very, very negative about homosexuality. Yeah, that's a good point. But I'm glad that that's not you, Anonymous Man. Well done. Yeah. Uh, so for the most part, he says, no one was really surprised. Good. Still, it's good, it's good that you've said it. Well done. Yeah. However... The reaction. Uh, yes, yeah, there's always a however on this show, Helen. It's got to be. We're not just about celebrating 21st century masculinity. Where's the fun in that? <laughs> uh, however, the reaction of one of my old school friends has proved problematic. Interesting. It's not in the way you'd expect. Okay. He is, if anything, a little too excited and keen to show his support. Overcompensating. Yeah, 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 possibly. Uh, as a matter of practicality, I told him via text message, and for a few days after I told him, I received a series of all-caps Facebook messages exclaiming his excitement at my news, huh. telling me it was, quote, best news ever, and that it was, quote, like Christmas Day. Maybe Santa came out to him on Christmas Day. My friend also said it was the 50th time he'd read my messages. Weird. It is a bit right. uh, full on. Okay. It's uh, evidently someone doesn't take in information on the first few passes. <laughs> <laughs> he even said he wants to throw a coming out party for me. That's quite sweet. That is sweet, but it sounds like... Not in the context of everything else. It sounds like you were being quite unceremonious about the coming out and therefore... Would have you could have thrown in your own party if that's what you wanted. Mm. It's I'm coming up, so you better get the party started, isn't it? In the lyrics, yeah, but, you misheard. But then what about I'm coming out? I want, want the, the world, world to know. know. Yeah, but true. he's he's yeah. let the world know by text message. So Nonetheless, yeah, there irrelevant. are musical clues that maybe he's following. Uh, it's very sweet. Continues this email that he is excited for me. It's very sweet. He's being supportive. Sure. But he's really making a mountain out of a molehill. Mm. It's even got to the point where I'm disinclined from going out to dinner with friends in a few weeks because this particular friend has a penchant (laughs) for standing up in crowded restaurants (laughs) and very loudly reading extensive pre-prepared speeches. And this one could get tearful. I didn't know real people actually did that. No, I thought that was a sitcom trope. I thought it was rom-com's father-in-laws. This is Michael Scott in The Office. Uh, he's one of my oldest friends, and his support is touching, but his excitement is getting out of hand. Do you think this friend just has a really boring life, and it's just like, anything! Oh, brilliant! I'd like to think that he is simply... He knows that his job is to be supportive, and he's just got... Gone overboard. Gone overboard. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, the problem is legitimate. Helen, yes. answer me these. One, how do I stop him making such a big fuss about this? And two, does wanting him to stop... Make me a terrible friend. No. I think you you seem to be quite kind towards what this person's intentions are, which is to be supportive. Mm. But you admittedly don't need this much attention directed at your personal life. Okay, fine. So that's the answer to number two. Number one is a little bit more problematic. How do you stop him? Uh, What about asking him to go out for a quiet drink or dinner with you? Where you can say, it's really meant a lot to me how supportive my friends have been about me coming up. But I don't think anyone was surprised. And it doesn't feel that different to my life before... I just wanted to let people know because I didn't want it to seem like there was a secret, even though there wasn't. Yeah, I I just imagined myself in the position of friend when you told me that face to face. Yeah. I still felt a bit slighted. I felt a bit wounded. Really? Why? Yeah, because I'm imagining myself as friend who's like, oh, God, I love my friend so much. And I've sent him all these messages. I've told him how supportive I am. And then he's just told me to my face. Yeah, you can just back off a bit. I read between the lines. Prefaced it with. Yeah, but this guy. I knew you were being nice. I knew you were trying to let me down gently. I feel like this guy is not necessarily going to be the most perceptive to signals between the lines. Mm. This guy is throwing a party between the lines, Mm. which is unusual behavior. Equally, I understand that he's making a mountain out of a molehill. And I understand 
that you don't want to look like the kind of person who would choose elect to have a coming out party. However, if it's clear that your friend is throwing it for you and it doesn't get out of hand, it's just for your mutual friends and they all know because they all got the same message as well and they know what your friend's like, you could actually just deal with it. It would probably be okay. I know it's kind of embarrassing for you. Could you manage to engineer the party so that it's on one of your birthdays? Either Mm, your birthday or his birthday. That's clever, yeah. I think what would be expedient for you, Anonymous Man, would be to find out the source of your friend's enthusiasm. And if you're having this quiet little tete-a-tete, try and find out what is missing from their lives or whether they want some fuss made about them. Do you think this friend is also gay or doesn't even know whether he's gay or not Mm. and is therefore using this to try and channel some of his feelings? Yeah, well, I couldn't possibly speculate as to that because we don't know him, but I think that's definitely a possibility, isn't it? So maybe you need to... Right, really open your heart to him and say, I don't, I don't want a big party. I'd rather spend some time with you and we can both talk about our feelings than see if you can uh, bring him to some realisation about himself. Or say, I just don't really fancy the party, uh, but I have set up a gift list at John Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> but that's happened with a lot of weddings that I can't go to recently. You might as well get the presents. You might as well get the presents. Even present. if they're boring, like cutlery. Like, it's traditional, isn't it? Can't make the party. Catching. Um, here's another excess of enthusiasm on the phone line. Helen and Ollie, it's uh, Matt from Boston Spa in Yorkshire in the shitty Hilton in Watford. I've just finished listening to all of your last 318 Ask Me This Is and I've loved every single one. How am I ever going to get that time back in my life? I just don't know, but I think it's been well worth it. How long is that, like? Nearly 200 hours? That was a fuck of a lot. But proof positive, obviously, that uh, time and money spent at answermethisstore.com is never to be regretted. Well, he sounds a bit like he regrets it, doesn't he? He's wondering how he can claw back the time. I think he's more concerned, reading between the lines, about ever scaling those heights of happiness ever again. I think, actually, it was more existential than that. I think he was like, you know, here I am on this tragic universe where ultimately we'll all all perish. I think the fact that he spent his time listening to us, he doesn't regret. Life is ephemeral, but these things are not. (laughs) For today's intermission, here is a little nugget of the joy that Matt has been experiencing it's from answer me this episode 163 available at answermethisstore.com uh here's a question from richard in reading who says ollie answer me this why do people use the saying chico blocked when the car parks are full does he mean chocker block i think he must it's not like chico is standing there waggling his hips so no one can get in That's incredible. Apparently it was a shipping thing, you know, like chocks away. They used to have a pulley system for raising the sails made of blocks and uh, then there was kind of a fixing system called the chocks and then when it all got tangled up, it was chock block. But in any case, nothing to do with X Factor failure, Chico. You saw him live once, didn't you? No. Where did that story come from? Somewhere in the recesses of your brain, you've either had a dream about me and Chico or you just made that up. You said said, I I saw Chico in my story. You definitely did. did. I definitely did. did. You went with your mum. Oh my God, I did. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, I have seen Chico. Oh, the shame of it. Oh God, I'm so unclean. And I said... (laughs) You had completely wiped that from your memory, hadn't you? I'd completely forgotten that. Time to hear some questions. Your fellow listeners have drunkenly spewed down our question line. Uh, if you feel the need to call in, please do. The number is... 0208123 Or you can Skype answer me this. Let's hear who's been in touch. Hello, Helen and Ollie. This is Richard from Trinidad. I have just made myself a pizza, and I'm so happy with it. Um, it's good. 
that I um, am thinking that I'm ready to take on in my next culinary project, Espago, maybe. So Helen and Ollie and Martin, the salmon, answer this. Can Escargot be made from any snail or from, like, well, Trinidad snails? Or does it have to be made from some special French or European snail? Uh, it does have to be a land snail. Uh, not okay. all snails are edible. Not all snails. Well, 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 as opposed to like a sea snail. As a, yeah, a flying snail. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but it, it has to be a land snail. And the, the ones, I think actually what it is, apart from being poisonous or whatever, some of them are just actually too small to bother cooking. Right. Like you just end up with like a winkle. It, effectively like a, a broad bean. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it has to be a land snail. And the ones that they eat in France, mm-hmm. uh, where obviously they popularized escargot, uh, are Helix aspersa. Uh, which is the breed of common European brown snail. I don't know if that's what you have in Trinidad, Richard, but it strikes me that that's unlikely. Um, but that doesn't mean the ones you have there are poisonous. It just means you have to treat them carefully, uh, which I can avail you of in detail if you're interested. Wonderful. Please do. Uh, if you collect them uh, whilst they're hibernating, that might be ideal. Do they hibernate um, in Trinidad? Uh, again, can't answer Warm that. place. Indeed. Uh, but the French collect them in the autumn when they've already gone into hibernation. And Aww. the reason for that is they're fat, obviously, because they're they're storing up their reserves. Yeah. Um, but also they're naturally purged because they haven't eaten anything for a few days. Um, so that is the best time to do it. And also they're safe inside their shells. You're not going to hurt them or damage them picking them up. You're and just going to kill you're them. You're just going to kill them. You're just going to bore them alive. But at that point, you're not going to hurt them. Um, so that's ideally when to do it. You, it's a good shortcut. You avoid the need to fatten them up or dry them or purge them. What do snails eat then that you might not want in your body? Well, uh, in an English country garden... Da, 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 da. Things like uh, slug pellets, yeah. you know, to, uh, which, yeah, 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 which yeah. is there to kill slugs. Uh, and you know, even if you don't have it in your garden, you might see a snail there and think, "Oh, I haven't put any pesticides down in my garden." Uh, your neighbour might have, and even though they move very slowly, they do travel great distances. Uh, so chances are they've eaten a pesticide at some point and might be about to die. Do they make escargot-like dishes but with slugs, saving you the peeling job? Because um, they should. So if you collect them whilst they're active, not hibernating, if one is just slowly crawling over your foot and sliming all over you mm-hmm. and you think, oh, I'm going to cook you, you little shit, uh, then you can't just drop it in the pan and eat it because you have to purge it. And purging, commercially what they do is they put them up in nets for two weeks and starve them. Well, so under the net must be pretty gross. Pretty horrible, yeah. Um, But uh, if you're doing it naturally and you're doing it yourself just to cook your own snails, uh, you only actually need to purge them for about 48 hours before cooking. Which again, obviously, is kinder to the snail. Although unkind. uh, Unkind because you're going to put it in boiling water. Because you're torturing (laughs) it in proportion to kill it. Yes. Well, yes, but actually, as I say... So many people put slug pellets down yes. that actually most people poison snails to death anyway. Actually, it's kinder than that, isn't it? If you don't want snails in your garden, this is the best way to do it. Eat them. So eat them. At least you're doing something with it. So 48 hours before you bore them alive, you keep them away from food and water in a bucket with a net over it. Mm-hmm. Some tights will do if you want to stop them crawling out. Okay. But for the two weeks before that, you need to make sure that they're eating, ideally, a healthy diet, not just whatever crap they're finding on the floor. So you really need to have a snail small holding. Exactly. Gosh, can that's you, a lot can, of trouble. Can you feed them garlic and things like that? Yeah, so basically mm. you feed them vegetarian food that humans would eat uh, for about two weeks. That clears out all the grit mm. in their guts and fattens them up a bit. So things like lettuce, onions, greens, uh, and then you purge them 48 hours. Then you boil them alive. Jobs are good. I don't think I'd, after two weeks of keeping the little snail friend... They'd be your friend. I don't yeah. think I'd want to eat it. No, I know. If you're actually keeping them in captivity and yeah, then yeah, choose yeah, yeah. not to kill them, 
then you have to make sure that you've given them powdered lime. Don't Ooh. ask me why, but they need powdered lime in their diet. Ouch. So you need to give it to them if they can't get it from the soil and the dirt. Wow. So you need to go to a builder's merchant if you have a change of heart. It's very alkaline. Yeah. yeah. But presumably, if you are really planning to compose a meal of snails, you're going to need quite a lot of them in your snail farm. Yes, and truth be told, if you're really going to do that, you're probably going to go to a professional farming outfit to get yeah. them, aren't you? You're... It's a bit silent to the lambs otherwise. It, yeah, but it's a nice idea that if you live in the country and you have a problem with snails and you fancy eating them, yeah. you know, this is something you can do completely organically and, and you know... They eat snail dishes in Asia, and I assume they don't import French snails for the purpose. No, exactly. I'm sure there's snails everywhere you can eat. So do you literally toss them into boiling water to kill them? Does that kill them yeah. quite quickly? Well, you know, like with lobster, people say it kills them quickly. Who knows? I'm not a snail. No one has asked them. Exactly. I, I imagine it's horrific if you're the snail, but I also imagine that it's completely overwhelming if you're used to living in cold mud and you haven't eaten for two days. And you've never been boiled alive before. And you've never been boiled alive before. <laughs> At the shock, I imagine, it, it, maybe it isn't instant. I can't imagine you living for more than 30 seconds. It must be quick. It must still be pretty nasty. I wouldn't hmm. want to be boiled alive in case anyone out there wanted to kill me. Don't do that. I've made my fortune on the dark web selling machine guns But my dream is to monetize my homemade cream buns They don't sit too well listed next to AK-47s My poor lonely buns Build your bun shop of dreams using squarespace.com There's 24-7 support if you get it wrong And you'll be selling more buns than guns before very long If you evade the law I've just been arrested Hey Squarespace, thanks very much for sponsoring this episode of Answer Me This. Squarespace makes it very easy for you to make a website that isn't shit, even if you know nothing about how to build a website. Even if you're a functioning idiot, you can come out with a website that has nice clean white space like The Guardian. And uh, you can make all of the changes on the front of the website, so it's not the weird back end where it's all nuts and bolts. And you get a free URL and... Loads of storage. And if you do want to get 10% off uh, after using the two-week free trial, then remember to use our code... Answer. answer do you remember about a month ago on the show martin teased ahead such a flirt isn't he that he was designing a new website using squarespace at the moment uh at the time it, it was really like foreplay i mean he shouldn't have mentioned it <laughs> i think you may have piqued their excitement too early martin but if you want to see the great things that a squarespace template can achieve martin your website is now available at songbysongpodcast.com and what is songbysongpodcast.com it's a brand new podcast where we're going to talk about every song recorded by tom waits in chronological order okay good for a minute i thought you were going to say every song every song ever. no that is t- i mean the tom waits thing i didn't want to be the one to big. tell you that you were going to die before you finished the project <laughs> we've, look, yes you we've did we've started with primal screaming and we've made great progress <laughs> only another forty thousand years to go we're on to gregorian chants <laughs> Okay, good. Well, I'm, I'm glad to see that as you expand your podcast empire, Martin, you're certainly not afraid of the niche. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at no point have you looked over your oeuvre and thought, hmm, could do something a bit more accessible it's here. Main, it's pretty mainstream. Pretty right? mainstream. Yeah, mainstream. Well, Tom Waits was a mainstream artist in America in the 90s, so well done. <laughs> how how uh, many songs has Tom Waits done thus far? Uh, I, I haven't counted because I'm a bit afraid to, a couple of hundred at least. Oh, so this should be a long-running it show. Could, it could be a running. <laughs> you might as well commit to it, listeners. Uh, here's a question from Alan in Glasgow who says, one skill I've learnt whilst working part-time in a well-known retail store was how to iron shirts to perfection from this i learned how to iron other pieces of garments Ooh. well done alan this is a transferable skill yeah and now I- i'm on my way to becoming prime minister of ironing <laughs> and now i even iron my calvin klein boxes to make them last longer what along with clean bed sheets mm. i mean who doesn't want to sleep in a crisp bed 
Uh, my girlfriend thinks this is hilarious. You are united by your excellent senses of humour. As, as someone who regularly looks as though she's had a fight with an iron, I just got a lot of burn marks. I, I take her opinion with a pinch of salt. So, Ollie, answer me this. Do you iron your underwear? What do you think, Alan? No, obviously not. <laughs> uh, ironing, to me, is about presentational skill. Yeah, but um, what if someone is looking at you in your underwear? No one's looking at me in my underwear. <laughs> That's a separate podcast. Uh, but uh, uh, in terms of the uh, image that I present to the world, uh, the only thing I ever iron uh, are cotton trousers yeah. and shirts. Your shirt does look very crisp. Yeah, this is a new shirt, so this is deceptive. Oh, uh, this right. is fresh off the, uh, the well, it looks, store rack. It looks fresh. Um, but generally speaking, I'm pretty laissez-faire about it. What yeah, I do is... It's boring. It's so boring. So what I do is when I do my laundry, mm. um, uh, once it's all dry, obviously, I create two piles. Yes. Uh, and I try and keep pile A something about 90% of the ratio to pile B. Great insight. Uh, pile A is clothes that, in my view, I can get away with wearing without ironing, even though in reality, they probably most of them should be ironed. Mm-hmm. Pile B are the ones that I absolutely cannot wear without ironing because I'll look like a, a hobo. Uh-huh. Uh, I put all of pile B into pile A yeah, and forget well, about it. I'm tempted. Uh, but I put pile B under the bed in a rattan basket and I forget about it for a quarter. Correct. So it's, it's a quarterly uh, oh, uh, thing for okay. me. Well, Once so a quarter, like a huge I do my binge. ironing. It is a huge, it's an ironing oh, binge. That yeah. must feel great. So I usually to an audiobook, actually. Yeah. Uh, I listen to all of Peter Mandelson's autobiography last <laughs> summer. I was doing my ironing. Is this like a full day thing then? Um, well, it's very boring, so I spread it out across the day, yeah. Uh, okay. Four segments, so like, well, you know, one uh, formation of New Labour, uh, two, uh, Gordon Brown's uh, prime ministership, and then and then three, the uh, the loss of the last election. That was roughly the the, the, the times at which it had been ironing. Huh. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I go through about probably 35 items of clothes in that one ironing thing. But so no the, pants. No, so the, the, the irony is, of course, the clothes that I'm choosing to go into pile B mm-hmm. are the ones that actually I'm most anxious about being presentable because they're my nicest clothes. And you haven't seen them for three months. And yeah, exactly. Those are the ones that I only wear three times a year. Yeah. Like actually, I end up wearing the clothes that aren't particularly nice and look a bit crumpled all the time anyway, so what's the point? All the time. All you need to do really is iron the collar. We don't iron anything. Ironing is an irrelevance in our house. Well, you, you both kind of get away with it i mean you're wearing uh, often dresses so yeah. those i don't know because they're one flowing thing you don't notice so much i think when those aren't yeah. ironed um martin your shirt does look a little bit crumpled right now but you're at home you're casual you're relaxed when you're out at work i don't notice that you look particularly creased i wear patterned shirts do you ever buy non-iron shirts have you ever been down that mm, road they're, they're kind not, of sweaty aren't yeah they? they're not normally oh, very really nice materials that, yeah. yeah they're normally synthetics it's yeah. quite clever though isn't it the, the, theoretically i mean I, I get the marketing uh, appeal of yeah. that have a shirt that looks gross in a different way <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in any case no i would never iron my expensive underwear uh, because as i've just described i then put it in a box yeah. so it, I, I want something that i see more regularly than that to be in pile a also aren't calvin's made of jersey which is not necessarily an ironing essential fabric I could kind of understand it if you had those billowing boxes that are made out of a woven fabric, but mm. jersey is not. Well, what he's suggesting is that it's all about the feel of cloth on skin, which I can believe. It's In a way, I wouldn't want to tempt fate by trying it, mm-hmm. because if I tried it and it did feel much nicer, I'd be wanting to do it all the time. Yeah. Archie says, <laughs> I was recently in an art gallery, and one of the pictures focused on quite a lot of Venetian gondolas. Mm. Looking at them, I suddenly realised how strange the figurehead, if you can call it that. I couldn't. I, call, I would call it a pharaoh, because as of today, I found out that's what it's supposed to be called. So this is like the face at the end of the gondola. It looks like a comb at the front. Is it called a pharaoh because it was made traditionally from iron? Correct, Martin. Carry on. Is... So, Helen, answer me this. <laughs> you did interrupt in a weird place. Uh, what's the origin uh, of the figurehead and why do they all sport them? 
Uh, well, uh, the origin uh, of the pharaoh, as as we've learnt it's called, because it's made for iron. Um, that looks like a comb with six teeth. Those six teeth represent the six districts of Venice. And then on the other side, there's a single tooth of the comb facing the opposite direction, which symbolises Judeca, which is an island just to the south of Venice that has always been part of the city. And then the whole thing is in the shape of an S, which allegedly represents the Grand Canal, but also allegedly represents the shape of the Rialto Bridge and also the Doge's Cap. So one of those has got to be bullshit what's in the shape of an s like the whole thing just the pharaoh okay yeah. fine i've not seen an s-shaped gondola Reason- that would be impractical well you know they have a lot more engineering than you'd think they've got 280 parts wow and the reason it is there is firstly to protect the bow uh, which is made of wood from knocks and secondly to counterbalance the fact that at the back of the boat there's a gondolier standing ah so it's oh. a counterweight oh, yeah. yeah and actually the port side of the gondola is uh, 24 centimetres longer than the other because the gondolier is uh, punting or rowing from the right side. And so they have to uh, engineer it that way to stop it uh, tipping over. That's nice. I like the fact that they've actually turned a necessity there into something artistic. Yeah. Because the counterweight, obviously, you need, don't you? It would seem expedient if you want not... You want not to drown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or just die of whatever horrible waterborne diseases are in those canals. But good on the Italians. I mean, if that was done now, it would be a sponsored message, wouldn't it, rather than something artistic? Yeah. Well, actually, all the gondolas have to be black uh, because uh, a few centuries ago, warring noblemen were uh, painting their gondolas more and more outlandish colours mm-hmm. in competition with each other to have the most glorious gondolas. So the city was like, no, stop it. All of them have to be black. Do you think the gondolas in Vegas, though, are engineered the same as the ones in Venice? Definitely. I, I think uh, anyone who's ever visited Las Vegas knows that all of the microcosms they have there of European cities are almost entirely accurate. Just Very authentic. Absolutely. It's like you're really there, but better because there aren't so many pigeons. Hello. I'm Wilson, the ball from Castaway. And here is my song about my favourite balls football rugby ball volleyball ball tennis ball zoe ball basketball netball handball debutante ball bowling ball baseball big sweaty ball answer me this sports day a marathon of fun and games out now at answermethispodcast.com slash albums Here's a question from Lizzie from London. Lizzie says, I'm just listening to Prime Minister's questions. Ollie, answer me this. When did my right honourable friend become the standard way to refer to other people? Not everywhere in Britain, just specifically in Parliament. Actually, yeah, not everywhere in Parliament either. I mean, um, that, that is a misunderstanding. That doesn't apply to all MPs, does it? It doesn't, no. So when the Prime Minister stands up, let's just keep it as the Prime Minister for now because it gets complicated when people are addressing the Prime Minister, for example. When the Prime Minister stands up and refers to another member of the House... Yeah. Uh, they are all honourable. By virtue mm. of them being a member of the House of Commons, they're all honourable. They need to amend that wording, um, eh? <laughs> so uh, let's say that I'm the Tory Prime Minister, you're a Labour MP, but you're you're not the leader of the opposition, okay? Okay. And you've just made a point saying, ah, oh, I put it to the country that Mr Man is a penis. Yeah, okay. You sit down. <laughs> I can go with this. That's pretty much the standard of debate in the <laughs> British Parliament, isn't it? <laughs> and then I stand up and I, as the Prime Minister, would then say, well, I think what the Honourable Lady needs to consider... Now, mm. the reason I say Honourable... pass ag. <laughs> the reason I say Honourable Lady um, is twofold. Well, honourable is, is to try and keep some decorum, even though we're having a spat. We all mm-hmm. appreciate that we're all put there by the electorate and we have a role. 
The reason I say lady rather than just the Honourable Lady of Crystal Palace, which would be your full title, the the area you represent, the constituency you represent, Uh uh, is because uh, it was getting to the stage where there are so many MPs that people couldn't even remember everyone. Imagine it. You wouldn't be able to stand up and talk about someone. You'd have to remember what constituency they were in. And if you said the wrong one, that would be a headline. I don't even know what my friend's jobs are. So so now you just say Honourable Gentleman, Honourable Lady, and then that way you don't even need to remember everyone's name or the constituency that they're from. But the reason you don't actually say their name is because the naming of a member is what the speaker does when he or she wants to bollock someone. So the whole time in the house, that's why when you think about it, they never say, well, as the Honourable Lady Ms Harmon said, they always just say as the Honourable Lady said. And the reason they don't say the name is that is when you're disciplined. When you're disciplined, the speaker will say, I name the honourable member for Crystal Palace, Miss Zaltzman, for disregarding the authority of the chair. And when he says that, you get suspended for five days. Whoa! Yeah. And then the second offence in the same parliamentary sitting carries 20 days suspension. So if you then stand up and say, yeah, but I still think you're a prick, then he'll say, <laughs> well, Miss Zaltzman, I've said your name again, and by saying your name, that's it, you're fired. Hmm. Yeah, 20 days. And then if, if you were to do it a third time... Uh, then the house itself could decide to suspend you for the rest of the session. Wow. So that's that's why you don't name people, because naming people is to like raise it up a gear. It's like when uh, your mum says, Oliver, Louis Mann. Exactly. <laughs> so, Not friendly. So it's just honourable gentleman and lady, but then there are complications as well. So right. uh, as um, uh, Lizzie suggests, my right honourable friend, there's a few things going on there. Mm. Friend means on the same team as you. So if I'm the Tory Prime Minister, if Martin is the Conservative Minister for Dudley... Oh, it's like a dream come true. <laughs> then I would say, well, as my honourable friend, the Minister for Dudley said, hmm. if you, though, are a friend of mine, mm-hmm. but you are the Labour MP for Crystal Palace, mm-hmm. I wouldn't call you a friend. Oof. You're just the honourable lady. You're not my honourable mm. friend. Okay. But even though you're on a different team to me, yes. you could still be the right honourable lady towards the right honourable men and, and Martin even though you're on the same team as me you might not be my right honourable friend I'll so, just be your honourable friend you'd just be my honourable friend yeah and the reason for that uh-huh. is that if Helen were for example the leader of the opposition God, this is complicated then she'd be on the Queen's Privy Council uh-huh. and right honourable mm-hmm. as in very honourable yeah as, uh, in, as in right good <laughs> well honourable mate indicates that you're on the Queen's Privy Council. So who's on the Queen's Privy Council? That's where it gets really complicated. I can't be asked to describe the Queen's Privy Council, but basically there's lots of lords on it and, yeah. and the leader of the opposition is automatically on shadow it. Shadow Cabinet? Uh, important people, yes. Everyone in the Cabinet. I'm not sure about everyone in the Shadow Cabinet, okay. but most of them would be. So you can't and it's ma- for life. Right. So once you've held oh. a really senior oh. office, you are forever right honourable, which is why in the Lords you get a lot of my right honourable friends because the majority of them are old Tories who were on the same team and were in the Privy Council. So you're supposed to remember that and you can't remember someone's name and constituency. (laughs) Jesus, Um, it's not helping at all. So yeah, so that's that's the point. So when when they say, when when Lizzie, you hear the Prime Minister say my right honourable friend, you know that he is referring to someone who is also a Conservative and who has also served on the Privy Council. Bloody hell. So there you go. Wow. Um, and in the past, there were other honorifics that were used in mm-hmm. addition to right honourable. They're just not conventionally used anymore because they seem to be outdated. Oh, uh, like what? what, like uh, what? So uh, honourable and reverend, which I presume meant, you know, Clergy. bishops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, honourable and gallant. Oh, a chance would be a fine thing. <laughs> Will that be like a knight? Uh, I guess, yeah. Uh, and honourable and learned, which you do hear sometimes of my learned friend in court, don't you? But I oh, think, so that's from the law professions? Yes. Right, right. So actually, technically, Tony Blair 
because he was a barrister, hmm. I think he could have been honourable and learned. my right oh, honourable and learned, learned friend. Yeah. yeah, if if another Labour MP had referred to him, he's got the, the chance to do that is uh, slim. Uh, so there you go. That's the reason. Wow, that's good. That was a good. And, and I haven't talk. even explained what the Privy Council is because life's too short. I think so, you know it's complicated. It does sound complicated. Yeah. You've done very well. Thanks. Privy is also old language for toilet. So, <laughs> so just people who get to use the good toilet. And with information like that, Helen, it's why you're my right honourable friend. Thanks. Well, honourable listeners, that brings us to the end of this episode of Answer Me This. It certainly does. Wah, uh, wah, but don't wah. fret, because like Prime Minister's questions, there will be another one along soon. Although there is, of course, a weekly edition of PMQs and we're fortnightly, which is why we're better. Yeah, less filler. That's right, yeah. <laughs> That's right, yeah. All of our details, so you can be in touch and send us a question, are listed atop our website. AnswerMeThisPodcast.com Com, uh, where there are also links to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and all the other things that we do but uh, importantly also to the Answer Me This store where you can buy our first 200 episodes and other things besides to support the show indeed and you can also support the show by taking up our Squarespace offer using the code ANSWER and many thanks to them and for supporting this episode but mainly you support the show by listening to it so please return in two weeks to do that again bye, bye.